welcome to The Hive Podcast, a show that helps inspire you to pursue your passions and ambitions. My name is Jared Spink and I'm your host. I'm a photographer, videographer, and entrepreneur. Join me as I sit down with other entrepreneurs and creators to learn more about their process, how they've built communities around their brands, and the experiences they've had along the way. I hope that these conversations inspire you to pursue your goals. You're listening to The Hive Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Hive Podcast. Thanks for listening each and every week. I really do appreciate it. We have a great guest in store for you guys this week. He is a very talented photographer and also based in Southern California. So I'm excited to get to know a local photographer. We have David Lopez joining us on the podcast today. Like I said, he is just an amazing photographer. We're going to learn more about his story. And even during the pandemic, his his Instagram has really taken off and he's a great example to use the tools that you have around you to succeed in your creative ambitions. So David, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Jared. I'm really excited to do this. Uh, you know, uh, I was really excited when you reached out and, uh, you know, I, uh, I've been fortunate to meet so many people over the, this past year with the, with the pandemic going on and everything over the course of, uh, the internet. So it's always nice to meet another Southern California photographer. Yeah, man. I, I am super stoked to, uh, to dive in. So, uh, for our listeners, why don't you, why don't you tell them a little bit about you, who you are, what you do and, uh, on the creative side and, and because you, you do, you know, photography as a business. So let's, let's hear about that. Okay. So, well, my name is David Lopez. I've been doing photography for, uh, eight years, uh, four years professionally. And, um, I initially started my Instagram as a, uh, gear page called Canon dude. And the reason I did that was at the time I had the EOS R, which was a controversial camera at the time. Uh, and I just wanted to post some really cool photos of my new camera because I just recently picked it up and I had fun with it. And I did not expect it to blow up to 14,000 followers in about four months, uh, which still boggles my mind on how, uh, how it happened. Uh, I think it was mostly because I tagged a lot of pages that would share gear photos and a lot of their audience started following me because they'd like what I was bringing to the table. Um, I still do post gear photos, but now I kind of like diversified a little bit. I do coffee and EDC because those are the other things I'm really passionate about. And, um, cohesively as a theme, it's all moody product photography. So I, I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, man, I've, I've really enjoyed checking out your Instagram page. I love how you have this consistent theme going through the whole entire feed. It's uh, definitely, I would say, inspired by that moody look, a, a lot of Peter McKinnon style, yeah. which is so popular and just very attractive. So it all looks good. So how did you, let's let's go all the way back. Okay. Um, I would love to hear how you got into photography and what, um, was it a passion you you had your entire life or is it something you, you picked up maybe uh, later in life? So my dad actually uh, used to have a uh, film camera. I think it was a Canon AE-1 or a Fuji. I don't remember, but I remember I used to play with it when I was four or five years old, and I would piss him off when I would just either dry fire or waste film because everyone knows film's expensive. And um, I actually didn't pick up photography as a profession until later in life. Um, what inspired me to actually get into it was when I went up to Big Bear Lake with my family back in December 2013. 
and uh, we were up there for a whole week, the week of Christmas, and all I had was an iPhone 4S, and I just started taking pictures because, you know, there was really nothing to do. We were lakeside, there was no Wi-Fi, we are away from the city, and I just took in all the, the scenery, and I just fell in love with uh, just taking photos and put in an Instagram filter and, and upload it to Instagram and to Flickr. And then I bought a Fuji point and shoot camera just to kind of get me started. And then after that, I bought my first DSLR and now we're here. Um, but it's just something that I, I really love going to big bear every so often just to kind of remember why I started this journey. Cause it's so beautiful up there. And, and just being able to capture a moment in time that you can look back and, you know, recall all the memories or the fun times that you had is just awesome. Yeah, man. I have a very uh, similar story, you know, picking up a mm -hmm. camera a little. I mean, I've always had an interest in photography dating all the way back to, to elementary school, but really got serious about it um, not, not that long ago, maybe four or five years ago. And very similar, starting off with family trips and taking um, landscape photography, absolutely love landscape photography and, and the colors and the mood that you can bring out um, and the memories that you can recall mm. uh, with those photos. That I mean, that's why I love photography is those memories that you can create. Um, so let's talk about the transition from from that to doing kind of what you're doing now with the, with the EDC photos and gear photos. Mm -hmm. um, when did that start to play? What was your motivation behind that? And how did maybe being stuck home from, you know, during the pandemic kind of push that forward for you? Well, when I started the Canon Dude page, now it's D-Lo Visuals, um, I kind of wanted that to be a separate account different from my other account where I was just posting nothing but cityscapes and street photography, which at the time I kind of got bored of it, you know, kind of the rinse repeat cycle, like, okay, you shoot one city in LA or one cityscape in LA, you, you see them all. And so doing product photography was something I've always been interested in. So I've kind of used this as an opportunity to challenge myself um, and do something a little bit different, uh, which is why I started with gear photos, because it's like, you know, I always have it with me. I might as well just take a photo with it using my phone, because at the time that was the only extra camera I had. And, uh, you know, with now with the pandemic, I'm home a lot. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to push myself even further to see how I uh, potentially could pivot my business into product photography because I would primarily shoot a lot of events pre-COVID. And I'm kind of glad I actually put the time and effort into product photography because that's actually what's paying the bills now. I've actually been, I have worked with a couple brands uh, over the past, this past year shooting some products. Um, most recently was Armor Supply, which was... Um, a, they make EDC wallets, and I actually bought one of their wallets last year, and I just started tagging them from time to time, and then that kind of got a conversation going with their uh, with their staff, and they eventually ended up hiring me to shoot their new wallet. Dude, that's really cool, and yeah, I mean, you've done such a good job with with the product photography. Um, I'm curious. So I'm curious. Let's go back to when you started kind of this theme on your Instagram channel. Mm -hmm. When did you start that? And then um, how how have you seen it grown? I mean, it's huge now. When I looked at it this morning, I'm trying to pull it up right it's now. Like 45.5, <laughs> I I mean, think. it's really, it's over 45,000 followers, right? So, that, I mean, that's huge. So when did that really start to, to pop for you? And can you remember maybe 
the day, the week where you started to see like, oh my gosh, what, what, uh, this is really taken off. Can you recall that? Yeah. So uh, a month into posting consistently uh, onto this account, I, I got a couple hundred followers every now and then, but I saw that it was rapidly approaching 1500, which is what my other account had. And I was like, there's no way this new, this account that I started for fun is going to eclipse my main account that I've been doing for, for years. And, it, you know, once it crossed 1500, I was like, oh, this is actually starting to become a thing. And then before I knew it, 1500 ended up becoming 10,000. And it, it's just one of those things where I was just like, whoa, what, what happened to, you know, where all these people come from? And I think it's because I was constantly um, tagging a lot of gear pages that would repost images. Uh, so when they would share a lot of my photos, they would tag me. And so I think a lot of their followers ended up coming over to my page to, to see what I had to offer. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's, it's done really well. Um, I've loved seeing it, seeing it grow. And that's awesome that something as simple as that, as, as post, posting pictures to Instagram can you know, really take things off for you mm-hmm. and provide income for your family to be able to actually get business from that. Um, how did brands start to reach out to you? Uh, mostly through uh, DMs. And I think a couple of them have done like former emails. Uh, but most of the time, um, it's it's mostly through just DMs that say, hey, we like what you, what you bring to the table. Do you want to potentially collaborate with us? Do you want to um, get some free stuff in exchange for some photos. So I've done that a couple of times, um, f- with a couple of brands I like, like, uh, bullstrap. They make, um, I'm actually one of their brand ambassadors and I'm not saying this because they're paying me, yeah. but no, they I make really great like stuff. Their, I, I their love their stuff or, um, yeah. phone cases. So, you know, I pitched, I actually reached them, reached out to them first cause I saw a lot of their ads and I just made them a pitch and they like what they, they saw. And, you know, we started working together. I mean, that's awesome that these brands have reached out to you and your Instagram channel has, has been taken off, but let's talk about your, the business side of it now too. Cause I know you have a, a photo, you know, photo business that you run photography business. So you told that story about, you know, that, that trip in 2013 up to big bear and how that really kind of motivated you. When did the business start to to come into play? You know, coming, you know, from it being a hobby to it transitioning into a business. So it didn't transition into a business until 2016. Um, you know, I spent the first four years kind of like learning the the tricks of the trade, composition, uh, using Lightroom to edit my photos, color grading, and so on. And, you know, I would go out and shoot photos with my friends and it wasn't really anything fun. I didn't really think of it as a potential career. But uh, in 2016, I met a friend of mine who worked for uh, Vice Munchies here in L.A. uh, at my job, um, which I'll get to in a second. But I used to work at this place called uh, Neon Retro Arcade in Old Pasadena. And we met playing Street Fighter because we love Street Fighter. And he's like, hey, I'm looking for a photographer for uh, an event that's actually fairly close to your house over in Eagle Rock. Can you do it? This is how much we'll pay you. And that was my first like real professional gig working for my friend uh, over at Vice Munchies. And, you know, he wrote the story and everything. And then little by little that year, I just started getting more gigs with Vice Munchies. I started I booked my first like wedding job as an assistant. You know, I had to start somewhere. Um, 
And it was this really weird transition because that year was also the year that my dad passed away. And he didn't really get to see me flourish into a professional photographer. So that's why I've been really pushing myself really hard, you know, four years later to continue that ball and continue that, uh, keep that ball rolling because, you know, I want to make sure that my mom lives to see me, lives to see all the success that I have had these last four, uh, four years and, you know, moving forward beyond that. Yeah, man, I, you know, it's, I can relate to that. It's, it's tough when if we all, I mean, we all face difficult things in life mm-hmm. and, you know, no one, no one's alone. We've all gone through, mm-hmm. you know, difficult times. I, you know, I'm sorry to hear, hear about that with, with your dad, but it does sometimes take, unfortunately, you know, those difficult moments to really push us forward and into really evaluating who we are and what, what we want to do. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting, you know, hearing that, that, that did have an impact on you. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. So how has the business grown um, before the pandemic? You know, what mm. kind of photography did you find yourself getting into? And how, how um, you know, for someone that really wants to do it and mm. hasn't made that leap of making it a business, um, I'm sure there were struggles when you first started. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can talk about what struggles you faced and how you kind of moved past that to make the business uh, successful. So I will always remember something my friend told me and because he was getting married at the time and I asked him like, hey, do you want me to do some of your photos? I'll do it for free because I want to learn this. And he basically told me no because I had no experience doing wedding photography, Um, which was true. I was still very new to that. I didn't have any experience shooting uh, wedding photography and, and like what to even possibly like look for in terms of like how to pose, the little detail shots of the setup, et cetera. And so that really pissed me off because I was like, dude, I was I wanted to help you, but you kind of, you know, said, like, go learn this. So that's what I did. I uh, I eventually found a mentor uh, also in 2016. Um, it's the same person that hired me to be his assistant as a uh, basically I was kind of just babysitting the, the, the equipment because if you ever shot a wedding, you always want to at least try to bring somebody to watch your stuff because, uh, you know, you're carrying around very valuable equipment. And you kind of just leave it there. And yeah, so. And um, and the reason he brought me on was because um, a few years prior to us meeting, he actually had all of his equipment stolen at a wedding. Um, and he also told me to, to get insurance for my equipment because, you know, you could rebuy all your equipment, you know, God forbid that it gets stolen. Because uh, he basically said, you know, your equipment's your livelihood. But uh, this gentleman, he started mentoring me and really uh, taught me a lot of the stuff I know now for uh, wedding photography. And that was kind of like one of the last things he uh, he did for me because unfortunately, the same year, he actually passed away from a heart attack on Father's Day. The same oh, year that man, I lost my dad. So I lost two father figures that year. So I was, 2016 was a very... Um, draining year emotionally and but it also like you said you know you kind of have to go through some tragedies to get to that breaking point to push yourself to get to that next level and I feel that losing my dad kind of was the first step in that process and then sadly losing my my mentor who became like a father figure to me um you know kind of helped me get there if that makes any sense without sounding too morbid that makes perfect sense I mean I, I understand that and yeah, that's so tough, man. What a tough year. Dude, that's that's rough. I think uh I think that's probably why I'm taking 2020 like 
you know, with a like a grain of salt because it's like, okay, I mean, I had I had a worse year four years ago, so yeah, I I can again relate to that in more ways than one, man. Um, let's talk about yeah, there's so much good in like info in in that short little little bit, like the insurance for for businesses. If you're gonna like, if you're gonna start photography as a business, make sure you treat it like a business, right? You get your business license register the business with, you know, the city or county or wherever you live mm-hmm. that you're supposed to do, you know, get open a bank account for your business. But the insurance, insurance is key, not only just for your gear, if anything were to happen to it, but, you know, if something were to happen to somebody, a light stand falls out yeah. over on them or something like insurance is, is so important to have, um, especially for the gear. I think a lot of people don't realize mm-hmm. that when you get business insurance, you can actually ensure it's not just your liability, but you can ensure your gear. So if anything were to happen to it, um, get, it gets stolen or it falls and breaks on a shoot, you can actually, you know, file a claim and, and, you know, get your money's worth for that equipment and yeah. go, go replace it. Like the, the horror story my mentor told me that really pushed me to get insurance was, uh, he was, he finished up a wedding and he was loading up his stuff into the elevator uh, elevator doors closed, elevator went down. When it came back up, his cart full of like, I think it was like $25,000 worth of equipment just disappeared. So he didn't get paid that day, obviously, cause he couldn't de- deliver any of the photos. Uh, but he had insurance. So he filed the claim. He got his money. He paid a couple deductibles, got his money and then rebought everything. Cause you know, and he would stress to me, that's your livelihood. That's how you make your bread and butter. You don't want to lose that. Because you don't have $25,000 just lying around, uh, you know, you, you get to that point from investing in equipment over the years. I can't hear you. Oh. Oh, there you are. Okay. That was weird. Now you're good. That was weird. The audio just like kind of cut out. It was like super uh, uh, muffled. Uh, let me see. Okay. I'm still recording on my end, so we're good. Okay. Great. What did you say though? So I can answer So I can ask a question. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so pretty much like one of the last things that he told me, uh, was a horror story, uh, regarding business insurance. Cause, uh, he had his equipment stolen at a wedding. Uh, he finished up the wedding day. He was putting all of his stuff in the elevator on a cart to go pack up into his car. Elevator door closes, goes down, comes back up all of his equipment's gone. It's like $25,000 worth of stuff just vanished in an instant. But he had business insurance, so he filed a claim, paid a deductible, and he got his money back, bought all this equipment again. And he, he told me, you know, get insurance because if your stuff gets stolen, you don't have $25,000 lying around that right then and there. You know, you have invested this money over the course of a few years and it's a lot of hard work to get there. And for somebody to just show up and steal it and kind of leave you up the, up the river without a paddle. That's really, uh, you know, that's, that's really crappy. Uh, yeah, man, that just really emphasizes the point of get insurance. If you're going to do this as a business, even if you're not doing it as a business, you can still go get insurance Mm -hmm. and insure your gear. So, you know, even if you're doing this, this as a hobby and if something were to happen, you don't have to, you know, replace all your gear with all your own money out of your own pocket again. Um, so David, let's, let's talk about now fast forwarding mm-hmm. to the business pandemic hits in 2020. We all go into lockdown. Mm-hmm. There's no more event photography. I mean, I felt that pain yeah. and had a lot of those jobs go away. Um, but you, you mentioned that you took 2020 with, uh, with a grain of salt. The year is almost over. Um, and you're still 
operating your photography business. So when this all hit, what was kind of going through your mind and how did you um, adapt and looking back mm-hmm. at this year, since we're at the end of it, has, uh, has your business actually uh, done better than you expected, even despite the pandemic? I, I would definitely say so. The business definitely has done a lot better now that you know, the year's almost over and, and I was successful in pivoting the business to product photography because, uh, you know, at the time I was already doing a lot of the EDC photos and coffee photos and gear photos. So I figured like, okay, let's keep this trend up and keep the following growing. That way I could present myself to brands, pitch them ideas, potentially work for them for paid, for paid jobs or conversely, they'll reach out to me and they want to offer me some money to shoot some of their products. Uh, again, Armor Supply was one of the the big ones that really um, initially hired me because they were going to launch their new wallet this year. And then after that, I started working with um, the city of uh, Old Pasadena. Uh, they hired me to shoot some videos to help promote a lot of the businesses impacted by the pandemic, specifically for the holidays. Um, and I'm actually still currently shooting stuff with them today. So... You know, and again, they reached out because I have a large following. They, they see that I have the reach and they see also that I'm local here in L.A. and in Pasadena. So uh, a lot of these brands, if they see that you have a consistent and organic following, you know, never buy your, uh, your followers because, you know, you post a really cool photo and you only get like 30 likes on it and you have like 100,000 followers. That's that's just a red flag right there and no one's going to want to work with you. Uh, but because I have a, 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 a large following that's organically grown, a lot of brands approach me or want to work with me because they see that I'm local or that I'm very active in a particular niche like EDC, for example. Yeah, I'm curious. How how important do you feel it is as a creative and mm-hmm. also doing this as, as um, a business to niche down? I think we hear that a lot. Um, and when you're first starting out, at least for me, I didn't really – agree with that when I first started. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I want to do everything. I want to, I want all sorts of business to come my way. So I'm just going to open myself up to being able to do anything. Mm-hmm. Do you, I don't agree with that thought process now and mm-hmm. I can see why it's important having a niche, but do you feel the same? Do you, do you think it's important to have a niche? Um, I'd love to hear your input on that. I think it is important. Uh, you know, again, like when I first started this page, I've specifically uh, put myself in the niche of just doing gear photos. And that's what ended up having me uh, have a lot of rapid growth in such a short amount of time because people were just obsessed with photos of cameras and lenses, I guess, way to call it. Um, but, you know, people were really obsessed with it. So, and the reason why people specifically came to my page was because I was posting a lot of photos of like the EOS R and Canon cameras and lenses. And it was specifically focused on just uh, Canon products, whereas a lot of the other pages on Instagram were kind of diversified and they would post stuff like Canon, Sony, Nikon, Panasonic, you name it. Um, But then once I started getting the following, I did start to diversify a little bit and, you know, start doing EDC photos. I started doing coffee um, because at the end of the day, it's all product photography. And so it kind of like wraps together uh, nicely and works in conjunction with one another because it's all under the product photography category, Uh, but more specifically like moody photography. Um, And I'm like, I think Peter McKinnon's talked about his grid OCD. 
I could confirm it is a very real thing because I always stress out about like, crap, my photos are going to be doing this. Uh, the colors don't match up. Or what I try to do is I don't try to have uh, particular items touch each other on the grid. This is just me going crazy. So let's say I post a photo of a camera, then coffee, then EDC. The next sequence of photos is going to be EDC, coffee, camera. And then the next sequence is going to be a reverse of that. So if you look at the actual grid, none of the individual items are touching. I don't know. It just looks more pleasing to me for some reason. But that's just me just going crazy. I have friends tell me, it's like, dude, are you obsessed with your grid too much? I'm like, it's a curse <laughs> and also a blessing. <laughs> it, it is. I, I, I can understand that. I, I was pretty uh, particular about my grid for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now I have a very, very minimal kind of sequence to my grid, but nothing compared, nothing compared to yours, but I totally understand wanting mm-hmm. it to, to look um, a very specific way. So it, it it's eye catching and pleasing and attracts a very specific mm-hmm. type of client. And I think, I think that's important too, not only to niche down um, on the type of photography that you want to do, but also your editing style, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want the customers to come to you for your photos and I think for your style. So um, not only niching down, but niching down on your style, I think is so important and not trying to, to edit for everybody's taste, but have them come to you specifically. And I think that's going to be beneficial for, for a couple of reasons, the people that are going to come to you are going to appreciate the work that you do. And they're coming to you specifically for that. But also when you really niche down on a style, I mean, as a business, I think, I think you can charge more because of that. Yeah, definitely. Would you agree? I definitely agree. I think it's, you know, if somebody comes to you because your photos look a certain way, they want to hire you for your creative style. Um, and I definitely think that definitely warrants charging more because they're going to pay a premium. It's like, you know, you're going to go buy a photo from Ansel Adams and, you know, obviously you're probably going to pay an arm and a leg for it because it's shot by Ansel Adams. You know, you want it because it's done by this particular photographer. And I think the same could be said with photographers on Instagram where you like a certain look. Uh, I'll use uh, this other one, uh, Alan Pillander. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with him. He has amazing cityscape photos. And I really enjoy his moody, like, just this, like, rich, like, I guess, like, blue and orange and just dark tones uh, that he uses to edit his photos. But, you know, I'm pretty sure he charges a, a pretty penny for uh, for that particular style because people will want to hire him for that look. You know, if, if they don't want it for that look, then they could hire anybody, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's so important. And when you first start out, it's difficult and you can't really see the the light at the end of the road. And that road never really ends. We're always trying to, to better our niche and better our, our editing style. So don't beat yourself up if you, if you're not there yet and just, just keep practicing. I think that's the most important thing is just keep shooting photos and editing. And even if you're, you don't have jobs, just keep doing it to keep mm-hmm. those creative juices flowing and, and being able to, to practice your craft. I think the most, the most asked question when it comes to creativity, especially when it comes to taking photos and videos is, you know, what camera do I need to get it? it, How would you, how do you, I'm sure you get asked that a lot. How do you answer that question? Is it all about the camera? You know, does gear even really matter when you're first starting out? Uh, so, I mean, I do get asked a lot of that 
same questions like what gear do I get or what camera should I buy? Uh, my first question I usually ask people is what do you plan to shoot? Because depending on what you plan to shoot, uh, that's going to help dictate the path you're going to take. So if you're primarily going to shoot photos, you know, do you want to get like a, a DSLR? Do you want to get a mirrorless camera? If you're going to be doing more hybrid shooting like video and photo, do you want to get like a mirrorless camera um, as opposed to a DSLR? And depending on what they answer, I usually recommend them. I have a, a, a bias for Canon because I've shot with Canon all my career. I have used Sony, Panasonic, and Fuji over the years as well to kind of try it out. But I always come back to Canon. Um, so I usually tell them, like, you know, get something like the EOS RP if you want a good starter full-frame camera. It's affordable, and you could adapt a lot of the older DSLR lenses. And... Uh, and I say this because when I first started photography, I was shooting on a T3i, you know, it's an ancient camera by today's standards. And when I would go to a lot of these Instagram photo meetups um, with these big pages that would like hire models and stuff to shoot, I saw a lot of people shooting at the time with like 5D Mark III's and like Nikon D750's and D810's, but they didn't really know what they were doing because they were kind of like me. They were just starting. And... uh you know, you could tell their composition was off the way they edited stuff was a little weird. And, you know, by no means I'm, am I disrespecting them, but it's more of like, you know, why are you going to spend four or $5,000 on a camera and a lens when you're just starting if you don't know what you're doing and it's not going to yield the results that you want because you don't know what you're doing. When I actually first bought my first first DSLR, I initially bought the Canon 60D. It was like twelve or $1,500 at the time. And I was like, cool, I got this like semi-professional camera. Keyword is professional. And then I thought about it more. I'm like, I don't need to spend $1,200 on a body that I'm not going to get, like, be able to use to the full capabilities. So I returned it and I got the uh, T3i instead. And I used that for years until I ended up buying my first full frame, which was the original 6D. And yeah, I think it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, man. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah, I was I was just agreeing with you about I, I don't think well I don't it doesn't matter what camera you start off with mm -hmm. at all it's it's more your your technique and how you learn to use that camera you know mm -hmm. the exposure triangle being able to properly expose a picture how to you know frame up a good picture and then also how to edit it properly not just mm -hmm. applying you know some some LUT that you bought you know some preset but to actually like be able to craft an image properly is so much more important than going and spending, you know, three, four grand yeah. on a camera. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, you know, uh, you, you're buying it more for the, for the namesake and say, Hey, look, I have a right. 5d Mark three. This is a super professional camera. So, you know, you're, you're, you're <laughs> way to sound professional. And, um, as far as, uh, if gear matters, it, you know, again, it doesn't really matter to me because, um, Actually, I'll use this as an example. I recently just uh, bought a Fujifilm X-T1 with a uh, uh, the Fuji 35mm lens just because I wanted a small, compact photo for street photography that I could just toss in a bag. And I could have easily gone like the X-T4 or whatever the newest and latest Fuji is, but it, it's still a great camera. And I already know how to shoot photos, so I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of it and still have money left over to buy other lenses. Uh, because at the end of the day, you just want to be able to go out there, shoot, and focus on what it is you're doing, and not worry so much about the gear. The gear will make things a lot easier. 
yes. You know, if you have a gimbal for video, obviously it's going to make it a lot easier to get steady shots. Uh, in body stabilization, the same thing. But at the end of the day, a lot of people think that they need all these things. And I feel it, it kind of boils down to a couple things. Uh, you know, a lot of people like myself who are influencers will talk about like, oh yeah, I have the Canon R6. It's fantastic because X, Y, Z. And then on YouTube, you see a lot of bigger creators like Casey Neistat, Peter McKinnon, um, Chris Howe, uh, Jason Vong. They all have a lot of fancy uh, cameras and equipment. And they'll say, yeah, I like using this because X, Y, Z. And a lot of these people that are just starting out think, oh, I need to go buy this because they're using it. And therefore, I'm going to get the same results that they're getting. But that, that's not really the case because a lot of these people don't really know what they're doing. Yeah. No, that, that, that brings, uh, an in- interesting topic. Maybe we can dive into because, mm-hmm. um, I agree. Like gear doesn't matter until you feel limited by the, by the gear. Mm-hmm. So you first need to learn technique of shooting and technique of, of editing. And once you master your technique, then the gear can complement your skill level. Mm-hmm. But until you learn that skill level, eh, you know, don't, don't go broke buying a super expensive camera. Cause it's not going to make a difference until, you learn that skill level. So now I, when you were explaining that, I thought this would be an interesting subject to, to dive into is, you know, that influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the fact that, you know, you get a lot of these influencers reviewing gear and it makes people starting out feel like they, they need that. So how do you think that's affected you know, photography, videography, really that creative niche in general with all this influencing marketing, has it, has it helped or has it, you know, really limited how people feel they can create? I definitely feel it's made the environment a lot more uh, toxic because I think it's given rise to a lot of fanboys. Um, If you actually Mm -hmm. go on YouTube, look up this channel called The Boy With A Camera and uh, he talks about why he sold his a7s3 to get the a7c which is much smaller than the the a7s3 and he was explaining why and people were just completely wailing on him for saying like dude how can you get rid of this camera for this other camera that sucks and it's like then he made a follow-up video explaining why and he basically said the a7c just works for me a lot better than the a7s3 And it goes back to what I was saying. It's like you could have the most expensive camera on the market, but if it doesn't fit your needs or let's say it goes over your budget, then why are you going to buy it just to have it and not utilize it fully? And so I feel like with a lot of these influencers, myself included, um, you know, we all have our particular brand that we preference and we represent. So I represent Canon and possibly even Fuji now that I own a Fuji film. But you have a lot of people who, for example, shoot Sony, think that, you know, Sony is the greatest camera ever. And a lot of people in the Canon camp saying, no, Canon makes the greatest camera ever. So they're always fighting over it on whose camera is better, where at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Just buy the equipment that you want to buy. Who cares what everyone else is shooting? Because you can't control what they're going to do. You can control what you're going to do. And, uh, you know, don't worry so much about gear and the specs like, Almost all the videos I shoot, I have an R6. It overheats in 4K. I don't care because I don't shoot 4K. I just shoot everything in 1080p and then upscale it because it, it just works. If, if you actually look at the analytics on YouTube, 
a lot of uh, creatives actually get a lot of traffic from mobile users and not all the phones are optimized to play back 4K. They just do 1080p. Yeah. So uh, you, for me, it, it, it doesn't really matter like if this camera can do this, this and that. It can shoot 120p or not. 60 frames is just fine. You just slow it down the same way. Uh, is it, does it have IBIS? Yes, no. If it doesn't, I really don't care because I've shot with DSLRs that didn't have IBIS. So, you know, uh, we've been spoiled a lot by the a lot of awesome cameras over the last, I want to say even the last like 10 years, really, it's kind of like a renaissance across the market. Yeah, the last 10 years and then especially yeah. this year. Has oh, been yeah, insane. Oh, 100%. But, you know, I, I feel like going back to your question, the, the rise of these influencers on Instagram and YouTube, while their, their main objective isn't to propagate toxicity between the community, you know, it's a lot of them try to post stuff to be encouraging and positive because they have their fan base, my, mine included, because I've had people get into fights over, over cameras in the comments. And I kind of have to step in, you know, separate everybody and say, hey, no, like you guys got to chill. Uh, they feel that, you know, oh, yeah, we're team Canon or we're team Sony or we're team Fuji and everything else is irrelevant because you're not shooting my brand. So, you know. It's, you know, I, I, I dare, dare I say it's like politics. You have your team you play with and that's it. And you're not going to want to, yeah. uh, see the, you know, what the other side's, uh, arguments are despite having evidence. So, yeah, it's so funny. And I, I think all that stems from the fact that everybody just wants to feel good about mm -hmm. all this money they just spent. Yes. <laughs> I think that's what it stems down to is they just want to feel comfortable about the purchase they just made. And that's why people get so defensive when it comes to camera brands. And if you're listening and you're not familiar with how uh, defensive people get when it comes to camera brands, it's, it's, it's quite hilarious. Actually, it really is. You, you step, step out of it. It's like, why do you get so like, who cares if this person's shooting Nikon and this person's shooting Sony and this person is shooting Canon. It's, it's quite hilarious. And it's also funny how some of that has rolled over to uh, clients that mm -hmm. they actually care what equipment you're shooting on more than like what the finished product produces, yeah. which is quite, quite funny too. Yeah. And it's funny too. Cause it's like, you know, I'm, uh, my, I'm actually friends with Jason Vong. I actually used to work with him, uh, helping him shoot video and edit, because uh, he's he's also based here in LA, and uh, you know a lot of people say it's like, oh, your friend, how can you be friends with the Sony guy if you shoot if you shoot Canon? It's just like <laughs> he's a cool dude, man. Like he's my friend. Like it I don't, doesn't matter. I don't get <laughs> what he shoots at the end of the day. You know why? Because he's he's a chill dude. I I have a lot of fun going out to shoots with him, and yeah, will we jab at each other for shooting Canon or Sony? Of course. Cause it's funny to us. The, the whole, uh, just again, like the whole toxicity and rabid fanboys, uh, is just, it, it, we just have our fun, man. Like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like I shot Pentax briefly and that was, you know, just cause I wanted to see what it was all about. And it wasn't for me cause they're, you know, they don't have a lot of lenses. <laughs> yeah. When, when you're truly creative, the camera, brand does not matter exactly. about what you can do with those tools. And so I think that answers that kind of first topic is, mm -hmm. does gear matter? No, it's about what you can do with that gear. So now when we get into you know, the main platform to, to pro post our pictures is Instagram nowadays. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's created a whole in industry of influencer marketing and how a lot of people market their skills and what they do. I mean, it's what you've done with your, 
your photo, your EDC photos and how you have actually grown your business by just posting pictures to Instagram. So for those that are just starting out, you know, what, what should they think about when they're creating their, their feed and what tips can you give them when to help them grow in their style and who they want to attract as customers? Well, I would say definitely uh, experiment if you're just starting out because, uh, you know, everyone's trying to find their style. Like I didn't find my style really until I feel like this year for, uh, you know, and I've been shooting for about eight years and watch a lot of YouTube videos because that's that there's so much free content out there and free education that you could learn a lot of the stuff that I know based off of just a few YouTube videos. And again, just keep practicing, practicing, get good at your skills, especially now with all of us being inside and not really being able to go outside. If you have an interest in like product photography, give it a try. You might actually make some money here and there. Um, You know, my friend Adrian, I've been mentoring him for a few years now, and he recently just started a a second Instagram account that all he's going to shoot is products like EDC stuff, but on a yellow background because that's his favorite color. And, you know, it's it's something cool and creative. He's he's still like learning uh, to find his style, but it makes me proud seeing him like really putting the effort and and trying to 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 get into that market. Uh, my friend Manny is kind of the same way. He uh, before the pandemic he was shooting a lot of boudoir photography. Obviously, that all dried up right now. So now he's trying to pivot into product photography because he sees my feed and is like, dude, this looks so much fun. I got to try this, and it, it's just awesome to see uh, people wanting to try something new uh, based off of, you know, a couple photos that you share here and there, but definitely make friends with a lot of people. I think is another great um, place to start because you're all going to push each other to grow. I have a group of friends. There's six of us now. We all have different skill sets and different backgrounds in photography, but we're all trying to learn from each other and we're constantly pushing each other. And uh, it's fun to have other friends that are super passionate about what you're doing and that actually push you to grow. I think that's a a great circle of friends to have. Um, And then this one's going to be a little controversial. Um, Buy presets. And the reason I say this isn't because like, oh, yeah, you're going to buy Peter McKinnon's presets and like all your photos are going to look like his. No, it's more of like you could buy the presets Use them on a couple photos, but then really start to reverse engineer them and understand why they chose to edit them a specific way or why they went with this particular look. And because uh, that's how I learned color grading, I would buy presets from my favorite YouTubers and then just start reverse engineering and play around with the HSL and like the contrast sliders and the curve, uh, tone curve, and everything to really understand what each particular thing does to that particular preset and how it works in conjunction with everything else. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's great advice when it comes to editing. And, um, it, that might be controversial. I, I agree with it. I'm, I, I have no problem with people buying presets. I think they, uh, what a lot of creators will tell you is they're a good starting point, right? Mm-hmm. You can, you can throw them on a photo. And if anybody says like, you can just, it's a one click edit, well, they're lying to you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> because more than no one click. preset will work on every photo. Mm. Um, but they're a good starting point to give you a basic look, and then you can kind of tweak it. But what you said about being able to re uh, or reverse engineer them and see what they did on all the tonal curves, 
um, on the, you know, the color calibrations down at the bottom in Lightroom. I think that's all super important um, because a lot of people are self-taught when it comes to photography. And that is a fantastic way to learn editing is to get some presets and reverse engineer them and see how, you know, moving, you know, the, the, uh, the tone curve this way, how it affects your photo, you know, recalibrating the colors this way, it affects your photo in this way. I think that is a fantastic tip for people that are, that are learning how to edit. And it's, it's, it's interesting to hear that that's exactly what you did too. And I'm sure that that helped increase your editing because I think every, every photographer uses presets as a good starting point, right? Even if it, you know, they create their own because it's just, it's a, it's a time saver. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, it's just another tool. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, but I think it, it is important to start learning how to edit yourself though. And the reason I really pushed myself to, to like reverse engineer, um, these presets is because my mentor, uh, who passed away on father's day, uh, back in 2016, he was fantastic at editing photos and he was actually going to teach me all this stuff. And, uh, obviously life had a completely different say in the direction of that story, but that inspired me to really push myself to learn how to, to get to that level. And I feel like while I'll never come close to it, because obviously he had a very different way of doing things than I do, and he never really explained it. So that's some information I just don't have available. Uh, I feel because of that inspiration he gave me, I got to my style the way I got. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's the question I, I get asked a lot too, uh, with my photos isn't necessarily, you know, how did you take that? But it's how did you, how did you get that look? And I think the first thing is, you know, you got to learn how to properly frame a shot, mm -hmm. um, and expose properly. But the second aspect of that is, is it comes down to editing and how you tweak that photo and post. And that's a fantastic way to do that uh, mm -hmm. and learn how to edit is to re, uh, reverse engineer photos that you like. And yeah, I think that that's so interesting. I love the editing process. What's your favorite? Do you prefer to shoot or do you prefer to edit? Cause I know everybody kind of has their, their, their favorite. Um, right now, because obviously we've been at home a lot. I love to shoot because, uh, you probably have seen my stories. I actually stained my desk with a nice, like dark walnut color. Yeah. And it looks great. So, uh, you know that like I basically created this canvas where I could just basically set up a, a shot of coffee or EDC flat lays or whatever. And, you know, I have my light right here off, off camera and everything. So, I'm kind of like always ready to shoot. Uh, so I really enjoy it because, you know, obviously I could only do so many flat lays or shots of knives and coffee yeah. before it gets repetitive. So it's always pushing me to try to, you know, maybe tilt the camera a certain way or try a different angle. Uh, so instead of doing a flat lay, maybe do kind of like a head on shot from this perspective or a side shot or, or bounce the light off the ceiling because my ceiling is white and see what kind of look that yields or maybe shoot uh, at night as opposed to during the day, so on and so forth. So it's it's just fun to kind of experiment. Because uh, with the editing stuff, you know, again, I, I use my own preset and that kind of gives me that starting point mm -hmm. uh, because I, I typically expose all my images about, uh, about the same. So either uh, one stop... Uh, either like right on the uh, right on the dot or um, one stop underexposed. And then I kind of just tweak it to depending on like what other colors are available. Like if I have one of my lights on from the kitchen that's tungsten, do I play with the oranges a little bit more? 
Or if I have a lot of natural daylight coming in from the window, do I play more with the blues in the, in the image or do I remove them? Uh, so it, it kind of gives me that good starting point. Yeah, shooting shooting is a lot of fun. I love experimenting with um, different lights and different temperature of lights, mm. different Kelvins, using natural light as well. Um, but right now, see, I'm the complete opposite. As much as I love shooting, I really enjoy editing a photo and mm-hmm. seeing wh- how, you know, I'll, I'll re-edit the same photo, you know, I'll make a virtual copy in Lightroom and re-edit that photo maybe three or four different times just to see what kind of different looks you can accomplish from the same photo. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I just find editing so pleasing. <laughs> I'm loving Nuts. that right now. I actually do that, but with photos that I shot like years ago. So I have a lot of photos, for example, in 2018, I went up to, to Seattle and, uh, you know, my style was very different than, than it is now. So it's always nice to go back and like re-edit a lot of these older photos to see how much your style has changed over the years. So it, it's definitely something I can definitely relate to. When you look back at your style, um, mm-hmm. how has it, has it changed? I know for me, it used to be very bright. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you first start editing, you just overdo everything, right? Yeah. You overdo the saturation. You, you just overdo everything. Um, and as you edit, you learn how to, to back it down and complement mm-hmm. the photo more and bring out very specific, maybe features of the photo mm-hmm. versus just overdoing everything. Do you yeah. find that to be the same? Yeah. Cause I mean, when I first started, like I was shooting primarily landscapes, so I would make some basic adjustments. Cause again, I was still learning, but I was like, Hey, I want the colors to pop. So I would just like crank up the saturation to like 50. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a good image. And then, you know, it, it looks like a hot mess, uh, you know, looking back at it now. But I feel like over time, my style has gotten more balanced. So if I, let's say if I'm doing some like engagement photos, um, I won't go too crazy on the stylization because they might not necessarily like it because, you know, obviously if you're doing an engagement shoot, you want it to look very natural and, and flattering to the to the people that are getting shot. Um, so I try to kind of like keep everything true to life if I'm doing stuff like that. But when it comes to like my page or if I'm doing product photography, I get, I get really like moody. I I just, I don't know. There's just something about moody shots that just, I love, like, I don't know if it's just the way the colors pop or the way, uh, I light everything or I don't know. It's just something that has always attracted me. Yeah. And I, I honestly think, you know, a lot of editing, our best editing comes when we can really reflect kind of a little bit of our own personality mm-hmm. into the photo. And that's a good way to do that is through editing and the colors that you bring out and how you, how you, um, expose the image or bring down the exposure. Um, it goes both ways with the moody photos, you know, um, that's what I like to edit too. And I think if that's kind of your style, it is really hard to, to change that and mimic, you know, maybe those brighter area area styles that a lot of, you know, wedding and, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, basically wedding photographers do, you know, it's, it's, it, yeah. I find it difficult to transition because I think it's, it's weird how editing is a little bit of a mindset and a reflection mm-hmm. of, you know, your personality and, and what you like. Would you agree? I definitely agree. And I mean, like with my other page, uh, Delo's urban life, uh, you know, that's solely dedicated to street photography. I'm actually pushing myself to have uh, a particular like look for it. Um, I guess kind of like moody street photography, I guess, if I'm going to go, go down that route, but because I don't have control over the lighting outside other Mm -hmm. than like if I'm in the shade or, or, you know, if I go at a certain time of day, 
but it's not like here where like, oh yeah, I could just lower the brightness of the, of the light and then set the mood. Like that's pushing me to kind of like break out of that, um, uh, like moody product photography and, and actually go outside when I'm able to go outside safely, obviously, you know, wear a mask. Um, (laughs) definitely, you know, but it's definitely challenging me to, to, to stay vigilant, like the time of day I go out and shoot, what kind of colors are around me and how they, you know, they reflect the light. And, uh, so far I'm having fun with it. Like, I feel like I'm starting to learn this all over again. Um, you know, like when I first started, uh, eight years ago. So it's, it's definitely relighting that flame. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I think we, that's such good advice because you, you have to keep shooting and keep pushing your creativity to stay engaged with it because mm-hmm. it can be so easy with, especially in, in the niche of photography and videography, right? To, to take in so much content that we never go and create anything ourselves. You get so used to watching the YouTube videos or scrolling through the gram mm-hmm. that um, it's almost has the reverse effect. Instead of being motivated, you get unmotivated because you when you're taking in too much content, I think it's inevitable that you'll start comparing what you do to other people. And then you kind of just get in this rut. So you definitely have a, have to have a balance between taking in content and making sure that you're consistently uh, creating. I love those photo challenges to take a photo each and every day, those, you know, 365. Um, even though I've never done one myself, yeah. I haven't found the need to, but I think that's a, a good challenge to give yourself if you find yourself in that creative rut. So we've talked about a lot. We talked about is the gear important, how to improve your skills and, and, and how important editing is. Now let's talk about just briefly the, how to get your work out there. Now, Instagram for photos is, is basically the primary way everybody's getting their work out there when it, when it comes to photography. Um, do you, how do you feel about that? Do you think Instagram has, has hurt the industry or helped it uh, progress? I think it's, uh, I think it's definitely, um, a little bit of both. I definitely feel like it's hurt the industry because, uh, you probably get this on your post from time to time, like where they Instagram will ask you that, Hey, you want to boost your post? You get, you can pay 10 bucks and get this much. So I've, I definitely feel like there is a little bit of monetization on their part. So, you know, kind of pay to play. Yeah. Um, it makes it really hard for, for, someone that's really passionate about Mm -hmm. it and really good to even grow organically now because they put the monetization ahead of any organic growth. That and like, I don't know why they're going the whole thing with like Instagram shopping. I, I, to me, this platform is solely for photos and video. Oh yeah. And And the new updates. Oh man. It's like, I, I don't like the new update. I hope they, I hope they go back to the old days someday. Um, so in that aspect, yes, I definitely feel like it's hurt the industry, you know, because not everyone has deep pockets or has a lot of money to spend. And if it's, they're pushing to boost your posts for 10 bucks a day or something like that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's you're going to get discouraged. Um, but at the same time, I feel like it's also helped the industry because it's also kind of helped build a community around photography you know, with, with my following, I have 45,000 followers, but there's a good, like probably hundred people I chat with day in and day out in my DMS about photography, about like how we're doing. And I, I could definitely feel confident saying that I I've made a lot of friends because of that. And that's a good thing, you know, bringing other creatives together, like you and I, you know, you reached out 
and and asked me if I wanted to be on this podcast, and I was totally excited to do it because yeah, now I have a new friend and somebody I could chat with uh, at, like after this is all done. So I definitely feel like in that regard, it's helped the uh, the industry. It's also kind of become like everyone's portfolio. You know, back then, like you would want to have a website with your portfolio. And yeah, you should still have a website with your portfolio because if you're like me, it does a lot of particular uh, themes like moody product photography and you want to show off, say, your wedding photography, you could have that website be your dedicated website, say, for stuff that you would normally show on Instagram. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so definitely have a website. But again, I definitely feel because you're able to connect with so many other people and most of them do respond to your messages or comment back. I think it's I think it's awesome because, you know, we didn't have this like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an engaging platform, um, you know, for anybody that's uh, a photographer, videographer looking to start a business. Again, you know what David said, have a website. That is super important. I, th- I think a lot of people for a while were viewing like, Oh, my Instagram feed, that's just my website. Like if you want to see my work, you just, you just go to Instagram now, like be a professional business and have a website, mm-hmm. but being present on Instagram and posting a lot of your work on there is still super important because like you said, that's where the community is. That's where people are engaging. That's where your customers are. That's, that's where everybody is. So you do have to, to be there. And I think it's important, you know, to really, if your goal is to treat this as a business, to really put a lot of thought into what you're posting, because um, you only want to put your best, best work out there unless you want to show some of the, the BTS. That's always fun. And um, mm-hmm. I think that's a great strategy because a lot of pe- that makes you relatable and a lot of people are attracted to accounts that give them more of a relatable feel, unless you're going to go the completely under other way and be uh, completely OCD about your feed. Like David is that works too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, that's, that's interesting, man. Like it's been great catching up with you. Um, Likewise, you know, for someone that is, I mean, we've touched on a lot (laughs) we've touched on a lot. So for someone that is looking to, really progress in their creativity and turn it into a business to be an entrepreneur. Uh, what's some of some advice you could give them to take, if they were going to take anything away from our conversation, what advice do you have for them? Sure. So a couple of things. So definitely uh, number one, do your research with your camera equipment that you're potentially going to buy uh, and really ask yourself, like, what do you want to shoot? Do you want to shoot photography? Do you want to shoot videography? And depending on how you answer that, or you might want to do both, Uh, that'll kind of dictate what route you're going to take with your creativity and what camera uh, you're going to potentially buy. Um, And uh, actually, I forgot to mention this earlier, but when it comes to reviews, take them with a grain of salt because everyone has a bias. Uh, Even though they say, oh yeah, I'm not biased to this brand at all. Like, you know, everyone has their biases and they'll, they'll sometimes review things a little harshly that they don't necessarily like on a particular brand because, you know, their brand has it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and so, then it, if I can if I could jump in right there, I yeah. think an important thing is is if you're looking to upgrade your gear or invest in some gear, don't forget you can always rent it. There's plenty of places, local camera shops or even online that you can rent the gear and try it out before you're going to go ahead and spend all that money. Yeah, so I mean like for me, I like going to my local camera shop and demoing the cameras that I'm eyeing just to see how they feel in the hand, yeah. how the autofocus performance is and you know do I still feel the same way after demoing them for a few minutes? 
Um, so, so definitely rent your equipment um, and kind of do your research. The next thing I would suggest is definitely find a group of friends that are also passionate with photography or videography who will help bring you up and challenge you the same way that you're going to bring them up and challenge them. You know, I have my group of friends. We're always challenging each other to do stuff like, oh, yeah, let's all do videos next year and post one video a week and see how many videos we have by the end of the year or doing like product photography challenges just for fun. So definitely have a circle of friends that do that. Um, I definitely think I think this is probably going to be the most important one is find a mentor, you know, reach out to somebody that you admire, uh, could be a local photographer in your area or somebody that um, you admire on Instagram, send them a message or send them an email if they have an email about uh, on their on their Instagram, tell them like, hey, you know, my name's so and so I'm looking to do this, this is this and that, like, what advice would you have for me? Um, you know, because I do get a lot of people messaging me and I do take pride in actually responding to my messages because a lot of people think that just because I have a large following, I'm too busy or too big to give them my time. Um, and I like to do that because when I first started, I didn't have a mentor. So I had to learn a lot of the stuff on the internet on my own, be self-taught. So I kind of want to be that mentor that I always wanted to be or needed for other people. Um, and then... Lastly, with just uh, editing style, just experiment, have fun. Like there are rules that you need to learn for photos and video, like rule of thirds, exposure triangle, so on and so forth. Same thing when it comes to editing, but understand those rules and then learn to break them artistically so you can kind of really do anything you want. You don't necessarily have to follow the rules that say you have to edit it this way and this is the only way you're going to do it. No, because it's going to be really boring. So just have fun. I think that's the biggest one, just have fun and, and just go out and shoot. Yeah. All great advice. And, you know, I'm, I'm on board with all that. I think it's super important to, to learn um, all the fundamentals of photography and the rules because only when you understand them, will you know when it's okay to break them and how mm -hmm. they'll enhance your photo. Uh, just doing it willy nilly isn't going to make your photo better, but when you understand it and know where and how to break them to enhance your photo, is key. And then, yeah, having, having a mentor, having close friends that you can bounce ideas off of and share photos and get feedback is super important and going to help you grow as, uh, as a creative. So great advice, David. It's been great having you on the show. Where can, uh, where can the listeners find out more about you? Of course, it'll, it'll all be linked down in the show notes, but um, where can they, can they find you? What's all the stuff and all the things? So I have a few places you can find me. So for like my main page, it's uh, on Instagram at Delo Visuals, and uh, that's where you're going to see all the kinds of moody product photography. If you want to see some of my street photography stuff, which I'm kind of starting over on this page, it's called Delo's Urban Life. And then I do have a YouTube channel, which I should probably start putting more videos on. I just haven't really had time. Uh, it's just youtube.com slash David Lopez Visuals. Well, cool, David. Man, all that will be linked down in the show notes. It's been, like I said, really great having you on the show. And I hope all you listening um, enjoyed the conversation, learning more about David and getting some insight on on gear and creativity, uh, on how you know platforms has, have affected the industry. It's been a really great in-depth conversation. I've enjoyed it, so I hope you have too. Uh, before you go, if you haven't already reviewed the show in the Apple Podcast Player, make sure you review, you subscribe, and you give it a five-star rating. And I will talk to you guys next week.